With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the official Maze and Brew Hoops podcast. I'm uh, Chris Castellani, joined today by Anthony Broom and Daniel Dash, the same crew that we rolled with last week. Uh, Michigan basketball now rocking a 6-0 and record but it was not without some uh, some very tense moments on Sunday's game their first conference game against the Penn State Nittany Lions we uh but they they also want beat Toledo uh, on uh what god what day was that everything's blurring together Wednesday. now was that uh, what's that Wednesday that was Wednesday yeah it shows how how fast the news cycle is uh changing here in 2020 well, as, as far as far as I'm concerned it's still March so yes it's it's March 273rd today <laughs> and we're, um, we're, we're still rolling with that, but you know, it's funny because last Sunday we said, all right, teams four and oh, you know, they had that game against Oakland where they struggled, but checking off all the boxes going up against NC state going to be kind of their first real test of the season. That game of course uh, canceled because of uh, COVID and I get it's where I gave and we'll just jump right into the first game that went down this week. I do give Toledo a, a lot of credit. I appreciate them stepping up, uh, allowing themselves to come to Chrysler and I, th- I think we all kind of wondered, you know, Toledo, not some a tremendous opponent by any means, but with limited uh, amount of time to kind of plan for this game, you wondered how Juwan's crew would come out, especially early on. And honestly, I think through six games, this was far and away there. This has been far and away their most complete game. Michigan dominates the Rockets 91 to 71. Obviously, 20 point blowout, but really outside of I God, they cut it 
some they made it what like a seven 11 point game there in the second half but really Michigan came out and dominated this thing from the jump and and never looked back and it was one of those games where you know we, we talked about how this is going to be a team that's probably going to be more athletic than most and uh, we saw that on display but it wasn't just their athleticism it was their size and that's where Michigan really thrived down low in the beginning of this game Austin Davis who sadly we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later with his injury but was having a, a career night and Dickinson again coming off the bench for what will probably be the last time in his collegiate career had a wonderful game as well. So, I mean, pretty much all in all, would you guys agree 20 point game against Toledo? What were some of the other big takeaways? What else did I miss here? I mean, uh, you kind of hit on all of it. It was, it was a complete performance. It was again, when you go through a look at Michigan's schedule through Wednesday, we'll talk about uh, the Sunday game here in a bit, but you went, put up 96 points against Bowling Green, 81 against Oakland, albeit it was an overtime 84 against ball state 80 against UCF and then 91 against Toledo. Like this is a, um, a blist. I mean, offensively, they have been a blistering team through the first, I mean, before Sunday through the first, you know, five games there. Um, and we're at a point, you know, a lot of people were, we've been referencing Kempom a lot on here. Uh, we're still kind of in the process of getting, uh, working the preseason data out of it and it becomes more reliant on what this team is right now uh, where we stand today. Uh, they are seventh in offense in the country only behind should have been more prepared Iowa, Gonzaga, Baylor, Villanova, LSU, and Creighton. That's it. There are only six teams better than or, or more efficient than them on offense so far this season. So uh, again, uh, that was kind of the exclamation point on a non-conference slate that, has again, it's been a pick your poison team. Uh, the one constant in all that is, you know, maybe, you know, maybe Franz Wagner has a good night. Maybe Isaiah Livers puts together a couple of really good nights. The constant has been Hunter Dickinson. And, and I'm oh, excited yeah. to talk about what he does moving forward. Uh, but again, you know, it, it's a non conference slate. We've talked about it. It was truncated. You usually get what about 12 to 13 of those games, uh, depending on if you're in a, one of those preseason tournaments or not, you got five this year. And if you go again by Ken Palm, Toledo was the best team that you've played so far. They were the 107th ranked team um, in the country. So it's, you hang your hat on being five and zero after that. It's not like you've played some really great competition and, and they were tested at times, but really uh, it, it was as about a, as, thorough and complete outside of that Oakland game of a non-conference slate that you could kind of ask for out of this team. I think those are all good points. Uh, You touched on the scoring. Uh, Ironically enough, this is the first Michigan team to score at least 80 points in their first five games since Juwan Howard's freshman year when the first got to Harvard. So for the first time since 1991, they put up at least 80 in their first five games. That 91 team put up at least 80 in their first eight games. Obviously, Michigan's streak ended on Sunday, which we'll, we'll touch on later. But I thought the biggest point that Juwan made that felt pretty applicable in the world that we're living in is the turnaround time. And the fact that it was so reminiscent of an NCAA tournament game or a Big Ten tournament game where you have a matter of 24 to 48 hours to prepare for a new opponent. And I mean, when the news came down on Monday morning or early Monday afternoon of last week that... NC State wouldn't be making the trip to Ann Arbor. The game came together in 12 hours. The staff was in the building, I'm sure, working overtime to chop up film, prepare a scouting report, a game plan, 
And then by the time Michigan actually took the court on Wednesday, it had been only about 48 hours since they actually found out who they were going to play. So that's the kind of thing that, I mean, that kind of experience at least is valuable looking toward March. I mean, that, that feels like an eternity from now, but I mean, living through that kind of experience with six newcomers on the team is something that really shouldn't be slept on going forward. Yeah, I know. I agree. And that's a really, uh, that's a neat, st- I can't believe I hadn't heard that before about Michigan going for 80 plus, you know, in the first five games since the first time since Juwan Howard uh, was a player uh, at U of M. I, I do think one of the things that was far improved uh, in this game and really in both games, we'll talk more about it when we get to Penn state uh, defensive intensity, uh, Toledo only shooting 40% from the floor, you know, threw in a couple prayers, threw in a couple threes, but for the most part, I, I thought Michigan's defense, uh, pretty smothering uh, pretty much all night. Now, one of the big stories, sadly, because for the most part, this was, and I mean this in the best way possible. And Anthony, we've had many of a discussion about this football team where we've said they aren't boring. It, this was a, a fairly boring game. And I mean that in the best way. Sometimes boring is a good thing. Toledo at home in the middle of December should probably be pretty boring. They went out, they took care of business, but sadly there was uh, kind of one very unfortunate piece of news and that was Austin Davis who despite only playing 12 minutes set a career high in points had 12 points uh, three rebounds scored I believe the team's first eight or first 10 a lot of them layups and dunks I mean he was really imposing his will early on uh, injured uh, came out a couple days later uh, Juwan said that it was a make let me make sure I'm pronouncing this right and correct me if I don't uh, plantar fasciitis right in the foot Um, yeah sure yes um, we're not doctors here Exactly. Um, <laughs> but, you know, very, very unfortunate. And Juwan said it will be uh, several weeks uh, before they reevaluate. You know, I mean, it's you feel bad for Austin Davis, program guy who really came alive in the latter part of last season and had earned the right to be a starter here in 2020, 2021. You know, you really hope that he can come back. A lot of people, when we saw the injury, because it, it wasn't a rolled ankle or anything, I think a lot of people were worried could be an Achilles wasn't um you hope that he can come back but i guess we should just talk a little bit here about you know how does this how does it affect this basketball team because one of the big things that we've talked about with this team really from the jump even before the season started depth they, they play 9 10 deep they can you know there's 12 different guys who could probably come off the bench or 12 different guys on the team who can score for you uh that becomes severely limited uh due to this injury yeah, and I think this is kind of uh, part one of what will be a two-part discussion this week is, is one of my takeaways from the last two games. The part one of it is that uh, obviously what has to happen when Austin Davis goes down injured is Hunter Dickinson, I mean, we we knew he's the best center on the team. Uh, he's been deserving of the chance to start probably from the jump this season, but again, it's a process that's playing itself out. Um, so first and foremost, he's in the starting lineup. We, the circumstances around it aren't ideal, but he was going to be there soon anyways. Um, so that's first and foremost. Probably the second thing would be that what you're going to need now is you need good minutes from Brandon Johns at the five, which is something that he, he's been inconsistent uh, doing at times. And we'll get to how that pertained to Sunday's game. And then Terrence Williams, when you go small, is going to probably play a little bit of the five as well. And, and maybe... I, I, again, off the top of my head, I don't know if we've seen this look yet, but there might be some looks where maybe Livers plays a small ball five as well. So it really does. I mean, for as much as people like to brag on the foul, Austin Davis, he's nothing more than a bench player. Well, if that's what you believe he is, 
now you're without one of your really more critical pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you need moving forward is, is more from, I mean, first, I mean, first and foremost, Hunter Dickinson will be drinking from the fire hose. Now he's going to probably get 28 to 30 minutes of run uh, per night, which is great because it looks like he's up for the task there. Um, you know, he physically looks the part, he mentally looks the part. Um, but you don't want that guy to wear down either. So Brandon Johns needs to give you some good minutes. Terrence Williams, uh, needs to continue giving you good minutes. I think that's been another through line of these first five to six games is that when he comes out there, he might have some stretches here and there where, you know, he looks like a freshman, but um, it's the line that keeps ringing in my head. When I see him play from Phil Martelli, Terrence Williams impacts winning. So I'm really excited to see how he progresses as well. I agree with that. I think you got to look at the reason why Juwan actually invited Austin back for the fifth year, and that's to give you the short bursts of offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's what he provided value in doing last year. Uh, he leapfrogged Colin Castle on the depth chart and chased him out of Ann Arbor because Davis ended up being so consistent in that three to four minutes here, five to six minutes here, go in. He's got a, a, a post bag for the, the ages. I mean, if he was a little bit more athletic, this would be a guy with a much higher ceiling. But, I mean, he's very technical around the rim. And he, he scores. I mean, he shoots. I, I think this year he's at up over 70% from the field. I mean, this is yeah. a guy who's a reliable post scorer. And without that, you just, in those short bursts where Davis would have taken the ball into the post, you need to look for other ways to produce on offense. And so far, I don't think Brandon Johns has exactly provided that. Yeah, and the other thing is, too, is like it uh, – Austin Davis knew what his – like they talked about this last year, what his role is going to be it's not surprising that eventually he was probably going to be someone who maybe started the season and then passed the baton to Hunter Dickinson. Um, Did we, did they expect it might be a Wally Pip type deal? Probably not. But I think that, you know, for him, um, we look, you know, fast forward to maybe what it looks like when he comes back, he'll be fine at whatever role he plays. Now the concern I would have is that, um, the most effective minutes that you've gotten out of a guy like Terrence Williams so far are the minutes that he does play with Hunter Dickinson and, and does how much is that, you know, you're not one of the, the upsides of playing, of having Davis start the game is that you could bring both of those guys off the bench as a, you know, a, a one, two punch with a lot of chemistry that had fresh legs. I, I don't, he's, they're going to get, they're going to get run together. Um, but I don't know if it'll be as much. So it does, it does have a chain reaction that goes through uh, the rest of the lineup. So, uh, but Austin Davis, by all accounts, a guy who they look at as another assistant coach, someone who, again, you know, it, it might be kind of an old man yells at cloud type of take, but you know, a lot of times you see talented bigs come into, you know, when they come to that next level of basketball, they might have all the talent in the world, but aren't really willing to bang around or, or play physical. And, Hunter Dickinson's gotten that from the jump every day in practice. And I think that's where he does have a leg up on all the other young centers in the big 10. So um, we knew this day was probably coming at some point. Um, Michigan will have to adjust their depth will be tested because you don't have another true five on the roster, but um, I do think they have the pieces there to overcome that. And, And that depth, I mean, immediately I feel like was put to the test with, you know, how some guys did or did not perform on Sunday's game against Penn State. And we're going to talk about that when we get back. But real quick, Anthony, you got some word from our friends over at Homefield Apparel. 
Hey guys, Anthony from Maze and Brew here to introduce you to our friends and sponsors of the podcast, homefieldapparel.com. Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand located right in the heart of Big Ten country in Indianapolis and makers of some of the most comfortable items of clothing you will ever own. Homefield launched its Michigan collection in early November with several awesome vintage designs that capture a lot of the things we love about the Wolverines. Everything they do and design for all schools comes from a place of love that honors the history of some of our favorite institutions across the country. So if you're looking for a gift for that Tulane grad of yours, or simply want to add some North Dakota State gear to your collection, in addition to the Michigan stuff you buy, they are the place to do it. Our listeners, our readers, the Mason Brew family can get 20% off your first purchase using the promo code MNB at homefieldapparel.com. That's promo code MNB at homefieldapparel.com for 20% off your first purchase. I promise you, their gear will become an instant favorite in your collection. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. In the second game that we saw last week, it went down yesterday, Michigan and their first conference game of the season narrowly, ever so narrowly escaped the Penn State Nittany Lions, a 62 to 58 victory. Well, maybe, you know, the Oakland game was pretty ugly, but I think offensively the ugliest game of the year so far after scoring 80 plus, you score 62 against a Penn State team that, once again, as a team, for I, I feel like I've said this every year about Penn State for the last 15 years. I don't know how good they are. I don't know if they're good. They just went on the road and beat the number 15 team in the country by 20. Uh, they, they they always seem like a bit of a mess. Um, last year, maybe being being an exception, but uh, Michigan did not play a great game. They did not play a great game offensively. They struggled for long stretches after getting off to a really hot start at the beginning of that game, up by as many as 15 points. Uh, before we get into what were some problems, I, I will just start off by saying last week, and this was, you know, I kind of, I look, I actually look smart, you know, with what I said last week that at some point, uh, this team, which I think has some really good shooters and some really good scores, is going to have to win some games ugly because that is the nature of the beast in the Big Ten. They just did that. 
uh, a, a four-point game where you held your opponent to 58, but I, there were some serious problems, mainly offensively, and we're going to talk about those. But at the same time, uh, six and zero, oh, and I, I don't want to be—I don't want to be too critical of them because they did something that last year uh, I don't know if they would have been able to do. They did one time against Rutgers, but besides that, you know, a, a classic Big Ten game where you had there were several big scoring runs on both ends, some extremely questionable officiating but overall uh a a not not so squeaky clean but a a win nonetheless for michigan yeah uh we we talked about last week we kind of questioned the ability or you know we we were gonna say we won't know what this team is until they get into a bar fight and this was that (laughs) um you know to go from scoring 80 points in every game that you've played this year um 90 points and a few of them to go down from that to 62 is it's a, that's a hell of a drop off. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, we've talked about, you know, defensively um, Michigan's, I think in the last over the last week or so, maybe since last we spoke, Michigan's risen from like 46 defensively on Ken Palm up to 35. So I've talked about before how I don't think that defense is going to be their calling card per se, but I think they had top 25 potential on that side of the ball or that side of the floor. And, and they are improving there. The last two games have, have been really nice, strong efforts. Um, you know, but the, I think the most concerning thing about this game uh, for me was that you were up by, fi- and like, this, this is going to happen in college basketball, but you were up by 15. And then um, the officiating, which at, I thought it was consistent, but at times not great on, on Sunday, um, some bad calls, a couple lapses and, and you go into the locker room only up nine and, Penn state kind of comes out in the second half and just stays hot and, you know, had the lead for a bit there. So um, it, it's good for them to be tested like that, especially like you said, it, you know, for the guy like Dickinson who was being thrown to the fire, um, you know, I'm sure we'll get more into this, but um, Franz Wagner and Isaiah livers, once again, I like didn't, didn't play great, which has been a little more the norm for Wagner than it has for livers. I livers has had, you know, kind of quietly a pretty awesome year to this point. But right. um, I think when push came to shove, what you had at the end of the game was Wagner makes a pretty critical block in one of the one of the later possessions there. Uh, I think it was with less than two minutes left. And then, you know, Livers gets a chance to sink a couple free throws to, to win you a basketball game or, or seal a win for you. And he does. He was eight for eight again. The guy doesn't miss from there. So despite it being a, a pick your, you know, again, this is going to be a kind of a pick your poison, pick your player of the day. Um, Chris, to reference the Tigers, one of those pick, pick the stick type uh, yes. teams. Um, you still got contrib- contributions from those guys late. And I'll, and I'll throw it back to, or throw it over to Daniel with this. Um, Eli Brooks, I think is, is not being talked about enough as a good of a two-way player as he is. I mean, he might be, First of all, I think that Dickinson, you can make the argument, he's Michigan's best player right now. You can make the argument also that Brooks is your best all-around player on both ends of the floor. Absolutely. I I think especially on the the defensive end, what he does as an on-ball defender, and even as an off-ball defender, the way he just occupies passing lanes and creates havoc, I think that adds so much value to a team that, as you mentioned with the, the Ken Palm rankings, is significantly better at the other end of the floor. I think without Brooks, Michigan might be in a, a much worse spot defensively, at least on the yeah. perimeter. 
Um, but the way Brooks, uh, even with the communication and now as a senior and recently named captain, I think it, it's really all moving in the direction for him to, I mean, you could put him in the conversation with some of the best defensive guards in the Big Ten at this point. Um, yeah. I think another one of the, the big takeaways that I had today was I think very similar to the Oakland game. You really learn who Michigan's going to lean on down the stretch. Yeah. And like the Oakland game, we learned today that even in Big Ten play, that's going to be Hunter Dickinson. I mean, down the stretch, it seemed like the ball was in his hands every single possession. And I mean, Jawan Howard being a, a big man coach, you could see that he has such an emphasis on getting the ball down into the post. And I mean, Dickinson was the one who had the game tying basket with two minutes left. And Dickinson was the one who put them up with the go-ahead layup on the next possession. So you could see that, like Oakland, where they were getting the ball on every single possession down the stretch in overtime, they really have a lot of confidence going on. So I'd say my two biggest takeaways of the bar fight were Brooks's value on defense and the way that they rely on Hunter Dickinson at the offensive end down the stretch. Yeah, and look, it it was Dickinson down the stretch, but he played 27 minutes. It was Dickin the offense really ran through him when he was in the game. I mean, he made nine field goals. Michigan only made 20. I mean, so 45% of the, the made field goals they have came off of him. And it's not like he is a volume shooter, right? He only shot the ball 14 times. I mean, his field goal percentage uh, at this point in the season is, is extremely high. Uh, the, the, a few takeaways that I have, and yes, I thought Eli Brooks as a defender continues to shine the, the his defense, that final possession when Michigan was up to, oh, flawless kiss. I, yeah i mean that was that was like somewhere uh, luke yaklich is watch, watching that and smiling i mean that was absolutely pristine that's that's like fundamental stuff that that you teach you dream to, to have a, a guy play play defense like that but a few takeaways i noticed like i going even going back to his freshman season i know obviously he's played different roles and i love this guy he's i love to do the death but that's about as bad a game as i've seen isaiah livers play now with that said automatic from the, from the foul line. Thank God. Uh, and really the team in general, that is one area um, that they have improved on immensely 17 to 20 from the foul line today. And I know they had those two big misses and we'll talk about them maybe in a second, but you know, he was great from the line just looked really lost uh, in this game. But you know what? Isaiah Livers is a great player. He's been here for four years. He's won a lot of games, pretty much the heart and soul of the team. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I, I think he'll get it back. We're six games into the season now. I think it's it's time we start to evaluate and look at what's what's up with Franz Wagner because we know Franz Wagner, very highly recruited player, you know, has a pedigree here, the brother of you know an all time great uh, Michigan basketball player, and had a solid freshman year a season ago. Very highly touted this season. I mean, almost unanimously across the board, people had him first team All Big Ten, and he's been a frustrating to watch this year. Because I think we all agree that that player is in there somewhere. He has the ability, but it's he he played. Let me look. Thirty six minutes today. That's more minutes than anybody else played. Both teams combined shot the ball five times and turned it over once. Traveled. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's generous with the one turnover because I saw him throw some errant passes as well. He is playing in a way that I never. It, the word to describe him right now is a word I never thought I would use to describe a Wagner, and that is rather unconfident and, and I'm I don't know if it is just the equivalent of a you know of a great baseball player kind of going through an 0 for 20 slump but he's been even in the quote-unquote good games he's played um, he hasn't been nearly as flashy as I feel like he is capable of playing do you guys have any sort of 
explanation because I'm trying to wrap my head around it as to why he's been so just not quite where we expected him to be this year. I think you you said it well. I think it looks like he's thinking rather than playing. I think whereas most players take a major leap in their sophomore year, I think Franz is taking a a slight step back. I mean, this is a guy who averaged 17 points in Michigan's last five games last year. Really looked like he was, especially with the amount of ball handling up for grabs this year without Xavier Simpson. I, I would like to see Franz play on the ball a bit more, but I mean, Mike Smith and Eli Brooks have, really dominated the ball. And that's that's really not a bad thing. I just think that it, it limits Wagner's growth. I think it, it puts a ceiling on how far he can come from last year's performance. And right now he's fallen short of where he was at the end of last year. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is his three-point shooting volume is way down. I mean, this guy was taking three, four, even five, six attempts per game last year. I mean, I'll, I'll pull up the exact stat. But right I've, now, got it, I've got it right here for you. Uh, yeah, he was taking five per game this year. He's down to two. Uh, these were the stats through five games on ESPN. They don't have it updated yet, but mm-hmm. um, holding steady shooting percentage is his field goal percentage total is actually up. He was 45.2 last year. He's up to 51 point. I mean, again, this is through Sunday uh, without Sunday's game um, about 30% on threes, which is about where he was last year. But yeah, it's, it's, cut down quite a bit um really all the stats across the board i mean he's up and rebounding up and assists um points down a little bit but again we know this isn't the guy we saw at the tail end of last season no right and i think a big part of that has to do with the way the offense has transformed since the end of last season you think about Mm -hmm. what was xavier simpson xavier simpson was a ball dominant guard who kind of made a living getting into the paint and collapsing defenses and when that would happen you had Wagner's on Wagner on one wing and livers on the other wing and I guess Simpson would just kick out either of those two this year it's a, a totally different offense where it's harder for Wagner to find a shot like that in rhythm and it seems like he's I mean to get that shot he's gonna have to create it and without the ball in his hands when Brooks and Smith have it that becomes a lot harder for him yeah yeah it's, I mean that's uh, that's a really good point now but before uh you know, we, we call it a show. There were a few more things I got to bring up. You guys already alluded to it, but uh, Hunter Dickinson, what he's doing right now, I mean, he's, we're beyond just like, oh, this guy is a good freshman store. I mean, he's like playing like one of the best players in the Big Ten right now, like straight up. He's playing, he's, it's obviously different positions, but he's kind of doing a Brostakis thing right now where we're looking at each other through the first couple games they play and going, is this, is this an NBA guy? Like after this yeah. year? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I know. Yeah, you feel that. (laughs) Um, Especially, I mean, when you look at, I I don't know if Michigan's expecting that, but, um, you know, with with Musa Diabate coming in next year, like that's, I'm I'm starting to feel less and less confident that it's it's great for him. I mean, if he shows out the rest of the year like this, I mean, that'd that'd be awesome. Um, You hope he would be able to do something like GoPro, but um, he's been that good. And it's, Again, it's going to you, you look at you look at the schedule here and it's going to get more difficult. Um, not against Nebraska, um, Maryland, Northwestern, Minnesota, Penn State again. I mean, those are those are Ken Palm outside of Nebraska. Um, those are Ken Palm top, you know, 70 teams. Um, it's going to really be I, I think he's going to keep feasting. I think really until we get until a, a game like where they play at Minnesota or they play Minnesota at home on January 12th. I think that might be kind of a game you circle and saying, all right, if this guy, I mean, he he's for real, we know that, but 
Um, that might be the difference in him being having a pretty good freshman season and putting together something special. Um, yeah. Because right now, quite honestly, he might I'm trying to avoid a hot take here. Um, is it a hot take to say he might be the best freshman big man Michigan's had since Joan Howard? Is that a hot take? I mean, who, who else would there be? I mean, there's Mitch McGarry, but he had six good games. Five games. Right. I think I, we're there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, the, with the way he's going uh, with as seasoned as he looks, um, it, it's not just that he's their best player, right? Yeah. Now. Like period. I, I mean, I, I've, I've, tried to fight back against it that because I, you know, I'm a huge livers guy, but like six games is not hyperbole anymore. Like right. it's, and it's, it's six games where you're making men look like boys down low. I mean, the, he's a matchup nightmare for everyone that's gone up against him. But that, that does kind of lead me to my last, our last point here. And that's that, you know, with Davis out, Michigan was forced to, you know, give uh, Brandon John some time at the five. Um, Brandon Johns is not a bad player at all, and I like him. I, I think that he has the ability to provide a major spark and a lot of energy. But, again, the word that kind of comes to mind, and Brendan Quinn wrote an article about this on The Athletic last year, uh, not the most confident player. And I think that was reflected. He was one of only two Michigan players to miss a free throw today, which, you know, happens. Four turnovers. And I think near the end of that game, you saw um, Joe, the trust maybe isn't there with Brandon Johns. And that's why they went with T- Terrence Williams played two minutes this whole game. And they were two of the biggest minutes of the entire game. And yeah. he's, I believe two, maybe even three inches shorter than Brandon Johns. But with Davis out as good as Dickinson is, you know, he's not playing 35, 40 minutes a night. And, and I think that's going to be one of the big storylines to watch is uh, who's going to kind of take over. He'll probably go. He'll ha- I mean, he has to go kind of small ball once Dickinson is out of the game. And uh, if Johns isn't capable of really taking that role by the reins, maybe we're going to be seeing Terrence Williams getting some more action here. Yeah, it's something that I think might be um, at this point. Like, I don't. Brandon Johns is a junior, so there there might be a switch that gets flipped at some point. But it's starting to feel like he's just kind of a guy who can you can catch lightning in a bottle with him. You might have. I, I think when he's out there, he's going to bring energy, but um, t- you know, maybe it's like Tasmanian devil energy where it's just, you're too wound up. You're too wild. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I, I think, you, no, go ahead. Oh, I think I was going to say, I think you saw that in the first five minutes, of the second half today, right? Yeah. Turnovers in the first yeah. five minutes, of the second half and didn't play again after that. Yeah. He had a, in late, it was, I think late in the first half, he had a sequence where, I don't know if it was a good defensive player or a block at the other end of the court. And then he comes back and hoists a three and hits it. Like that's the vision of what he can be. Um, and Chris, I mean, he's a Lansing guy. So you, you're familiar with him. Like he was a, he was a killer in high school. He was a machine. Yeah. Um, you know, Mr. Basketball guy, someone who we talked about this in the group text earlier, Chris, um, <laughs> when he committed to Michigan, Tom Izzo, uh, when he signed with Michigan, Tom Izzo called him or when he called Tom Izzo, Izzo lit his ass up. Like, and, uh, and I don't know if that's maybe a mental thing. I, like, okay, I do got, I do have to say that is a, and I, again, I like this guy, but that is according to Brandon Johns. Now yes. with the, the extent of that, 
we're not completely sure, but that's the, according to him, he said that, yeah, his, his exact quote was he went on a real long rant and I didn't expect that. Um, and maybe, <laughs> um, maybe he's using that as motivation, but I basically, maybe. I think the, the, the general point that we're trying to make is it's not a matter of, of ability. I mean, this is, this yeah. was a very highly recruited player who was, you know, a, a scoring machine, a rebounding machine when he was in high school, it is kind of just, it's a confidence thing. And it is a matter of, uh, you know, well, it's it's just it's different when you and this is another old old man cliche. It's different when you play with guys that are as good as you are. Yeah, um, sure. So it's it's hard to find that next year. Well, last year he was. I mean, I wouldn't go as far to say he was amazing last year when Livers was out, but this was a he guy was pretty good. Regular scoring yeah. double digits. He carried Michigan at Madison Square Garden against Rutgers. Mm-hmm. That's he right. Carried Michigan at Nebraska when they were without Livers and without Simpson. I mean, this is the kind of guy that you should be able to rely on as a junior and a guy who's proven himself in the past. So I think yeah. you can consider the beginning of this year a major step it's, back. It's it's going to be worth watching because if he and again, I'm not accusing him of dogging it um, because no, he always does. He does bring energy, right. but if he, he you know if he goes through those stretches where he doesn't play good minutes and Terrence Williams continues to play good minutes, it might be a situation where again maybe some sort of changing of the guard takes place. And, and I won't speculate about people's futures, but we know the recruiting class is coming in next year. Um, I think, you know, from a bigger picture thing, what Michigan maybe I don't know if they'll, they'll practice this over these next 12 days. I know Jawan was pretty adamant. He's going to give his guys some time off. Cause it's been, you know, you, trying to play games in this environment as we're seeing with the football program can be, it's a meat grinder right now. And, and, to have some time to step back and decompress. I think that could be good for them. Um, I'm not worried about them cooling down because Sunday was kind of that anyways. Um, But I I do wonder if during this downtime, we might see them work on playing a little more up-tempo because they're down pretty significantly, uh, pretty significantly in tempo this year. Uh, They were, I think 150 last year. Ken Palm has them currently at 229. Um, I think when Hunter Dickinson's not on the floor, you have to play a little faster. Um, so I wonder if that's something maybe we see starting on, uh, you know, Christmas Day when they play this game at Nebraska. And, and that is that is a really good point. But my counter to that would be they they also continue to turn the ball over a lot, and it's yeah. hard to it's hard to run up tempo if if yeah. you're consistently turning the ball over. Then you do you know as Izzo describes the possibility of turnovers into touchdowns. I mean, that was the one thing when the beeline era was really firing is that they were somehow miraculously a team that ran up tempo and never turned the ball over. Um, this is a team that still, I mean, one of the reasons why they almost lost this game, 16 turnovers in, in uh, this game against Penn state. And you got to give credit to Penn state I, from, even from the jump, even when, even when they were behind early, I thought the defense was pretty smothering, but, just a lot of inconsistent offensive performances. Shondi Brown, I think only attempted two shots, did not score. Still an elite defender, adds a lot to the team. But uh, I guess before we call it quits, because I feel like I've been talking a lot, do you guys have any anything else to uh, to add? Michigan going to have, what, 12, 13 days, or yeah, 12 days off until their next game, which will be uh, Nebraska on Christmas Day. Uh, I think playing on Christmas Day sucks and is bullshit. Stupid. Um, yeah. <laughs> that would be my one take. Um Mike Smith belongs too. I think he can, it's pretty clear he can quarterback and run a high major offense. Uh, yeah. I don't know if his, his, you know, points will be high. I think there's a chance maybe he scores less than Xavier Simpson did. Um, but I don't think he's going to be relied on to, 
carry that type of load either. But it, it's pretty apparent to me. And we'll see. There's a lot of good guards in the in the Big Ten. Um, guard play is going to determine a lot moving forward. But he looks he looks up to the task. I mean, that 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 was a great find by Jawan Howard. Because I think the concern for a lot of people was, you know, and you know, uh, John, uh, John Simmons is on the staff right now, but that was a guy where you brought him in from Ohio a couple of years ago, thinking maybe this guy could, you know, grad transfer, maybe can give us some good minutes at point guard, just never really wound up doing much for them. So anytime you bring in transfer guards like that, um, that concern is there, but I don't have that concern with Mike Smith. And I think he deserves a, uh, you know, a salute here. Yeah. I agree with that. And I will use my last call to slow the hype train on the Dickinson one and done. Um, first and last, <laughs> please I, do. Please do. Good. I, I, hope he, I hope he stays four years. I, well, I, yeah. I, just, I think that's a legitimate possibility. I, my guess would wow. be three. I don't think that the NBA is calling for big, immobile, seven-foot-one back-to-basket <laughs> left-handers who struggle sure. in pick-and-roll defense. Is that an area where he can get better? Are all of these areas where he can get better? Sure. He said today that he expects to be a better outside shooter, and it's just going to take a couple to get rolling. But as of now, I, I really don't think a one done is in the cards. Um, I think that watching Diabate at the four next year and Dingson at the five is going to be awesome. Pretty <laughs> jaw-dropping. Um, but yeah. uh, I think that while Dickinson has been phenomenal, he's uh, he's got a long way to go before – he yeah. starts popping up in mock drafts. I, yeah, no, it's, I, I it's just, right. I hope you're right too. I'm just, he's playing so good that you just, you know, you wonder a little more. We just didn't expect him to be here. Right. Um, and again, he is an older freshman like Braz Dacus was. That's where the, you know, it's not like Iggy is, you know, lighting up the league right now. He's, you know, sitting on the bench for the Knicks right now as they play the Pistons in Detroit. So, um, you know, just again, He's playing really well. He's ahead of schedule. The league's not really, those types of guys aren't really in demand, but you know, playing well is playing well. So yeah. and, now you look yeah. at like Daniel O'Turu, who was the same thing Dickinson was second round pick last year. Luca Garza didn't get the NBA buzz that he wanted. So he came back to Iowa. Uh, I think a lot of these, uh, Xavier Tillman was nearly undrafted. Yeah. So no, you you're right. I, it wasn't my intent to uh, fuel one and done right. hype. No, but... no, 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 not not you. I've seen it out there. I, no, I. That's those are people that watch Michigan and don't really understand how the NBA works mm-hmm. right now. I mean, you have guys like, um, you know, it's just it's just a different animal. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Hope he stays four years. I hope he breaks all the records. I hope he's right. the next, you know, Frank Kaminsky, Luca Garza. Like that'd be awesome. And, and there Great. is. There is truth to the fact that I think there what and this is scary. I think there's a second element, second gear to his game that is yet to be unleashed. Um, because he's being asked to fill a role and he's he's filling his role about as well as anybody else in the Big Ten is right now, you know, outside of Garza, if you're talking big men. But you watch his high school tapes, you see some three balls. I mean, you see a guy with yeah. ball handling capabilities. Previewed it a little bit, I believe shot one three, uh, kind of an ill-advised three, but shot one today, and I believe shot one last game against Toledo as well. Uh, when the offense calls for it, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case um, yeah. this year. 
Uh, there may be a guy who's, and we saw it, I, I still think it was a bit forced, but we saw it with Teske. I mean, Teske's last uh, year and a half at Michigan, a guy who started shooting four or five threes a game, it seemed. Maybe maybe it was less than that. It always felt like it. But um, you know, maybe, maybe there is that other element that is yet to be unleashed. Uh, hopefully we'll see it. But as it stands, yeah. uh, Juwan Howard's crew, despite stumbling a little bit, uh, stumbling a lot on Sunday against Penn State, Six and zero. Oh, uh, now going into what will be the I'd call it the Christmas break, but they play on Christmas, so winter break. Sure, we'll call it that. Um, that will do it. Mental uh, break. Yeah, right. <laughs> for all uh, of which us, I th- which I think we all need a little bit right now. Except so, for those uh, of us who might have a football game to cover on Saturday night. Uh, yeah, I forgot to text you another night game, Anthony. We got still got one more. <laughs> We'll but, talk about uh, that tomorrow. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but okay, that will do it for today's show. Before we head out, uh, you guys want to plug your social medias real quick. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Uh, follow the website at Maze and Brew. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Join the Discord. Uh, get the podcast wherever you get our shows. Um, again, it's been probably the best couple months of content we've ever put out as a team. Mm-hmm. So hop on the train, join the ride, and we'll, we're happy to have you. You can find me on Twitter at Daniel Dash underscore and everything that I write about Michigan basketball at Mason Brew. Yeah, I mean, most of my opinions you can find on here, but I am still on Twitter. I haven't I haven't sent anything out in a while, but at Castellani 2014, I don't know, maybe I'm just waiting until baseball season comes back. We'll see. But I do have another <laughs> show, uh, Locked on Tigers. You can find that at Locked on Tigers on Twitter, and you can find a Locked on Tigers wherever podcasts can be found, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever. Um, they are Monday through Friday uh, covering Detroit Tigers baseball and other goings on throughout the world of Major League Baseball every day of the week for the Lockdown Podcasting Network. So, uh, yeah, while you're at it, go ahead, follow us on all those platforms. So that will do it for uh, this week's show. We will uh, be right back here probably next Sunday covering whatever news breaks and who knows, we might, we might even have something special for you. So thank you very much for tuning in, everybody. Have a great rest of your night.